Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. Welcome. It's great to see all your smiling faces as we were showing the video. And uh, we're between series. We usually talk about a topic for a few weeks, and uh, we finished up talking about Fear Not last week, and we already heard about next week, me and my big mouth. So we're in between. So being the last Sunday of the year, and Happy New Year's, everyone, thought we'd kind of look back at this past year a little bit, kind of look forward a little bit, and uh, talk about being irresistible, because some things are just irresistible, right? Certain foods, uh, small pets, uh, etc. So, uh, what most importantly should be irresistible? That's what we're going to talk about today. So, <clears throat> we start our announcement time with this statement. Uh, put it up on the screen. It's our vision. Uh, we as a le- the leadership of our church uh, uh, feel strongly about this. We buy into this. Hopefully you do too. And if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, welcome, and uh, hopefully some of this will be helpful to you. If not, you're just kind of listening in, in on what goes around here, on around here. Uh, but we don't just put that up there just to put it up there because it sounds pretty neat. Uh, that's something we bought into. That's a vision. Uh, another way to think about that is the main thing is to make the main thing the main thing, right? So what is the main thing? You have to know what it is. And so you adjust your mentality around that. You adjust your theology, the way you think about God around that. And so that's what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning. We'll have you out of here about, about noon, hopefully. Um, as a pastor over the years, I've gotten asked this question a lot. And people ask it, I think, sincerely. And you've probably thought about it yourself uh, sometime. We put that on the screen. Um, is, you fill it in with whatever you want, a sin. And it's usually something that's not in the Bible, you know. Um, So, yeah. I can think back in the early 80s, a lady came to me and she asked me, and this was before poker got so popular. She said, "Uh, my family gets around and plays a little poker, plays cards. And from what she knew about church in the background, whatever she had, that was a big no-no whenever church she had been to. And I said, the Bible doesn't say. You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. And so that's kind of what I want to talk to you about this morning. But when there is a negative side to this question there is a selfish side to this question because often when we ask that question it's like how close can I get to the sin stuff without sinning I don't want to miss out there's fun in sin otherwise we wouldn't sin so how close can I get it and not make God mad at me or or make God zap me or you know have some repercussions so I want to have God, but I want to have this fun too. And, and so how much can I do? And it's basically more about us, me and my fun, than it is about, about God. There's another subtle uh, form of this selfish <laughs> relationship with God. And that's where we have this strong desire. And all we want to do is focus on that relationship with God and being more intimate with God and being closer to God and God being closer to me. And we focus in on that. And the strange thing I found out, people that do that often are the most judgmental people <laughs> you ever met. And so that's certainly not what, what God would desire from us. Um, so how close can I get to God or how far can I go and still not be disconnected to God? So I came across two terms this week that I want to talk to you about. And I think they're helpful in kind of answering this question. And one is called vertical morality. And that's what I was just talking about. You determine what's right and wrong, what you think you should do or not do, based on what you think God thinks or God's reaction is going to be 
or God's uh, response is going to be. So if I can do this and God not be mad at me, I'm going to do this. If I can't, I may not, or if I do, you know, I, I realize I'm going to suffer the consequences. The problem with vertical morality is this. It leaves you wondering, doesn't it? How close can I get to sin and not sin? What can I do and still have God's blessing? Or what, what causes God to withdraw his blessings from me? So is there an alternative to vertical morality? Is there a better alternative? Maybe I should say that. So I want to start off with something. We're going to kind of jump around with some things Jesus said uh, as we look at this topic this morning. Beginning Jesus' ministry, he's talking about all these different things. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. He's jumping around all these different topics. And I'm just going to read you two verses which would have been shocking to his audience. He was Jewish. He was speaking to a Jewish audience. He says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple... Now, this isn't something you did all the time. This is something you might have done do once a year, okay? You went to your synagogue, but you didn't go to the temple and offer sacrifice very often. And the line would probably be pretty long. He said, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Now, can you imagine going through this long line? You're, you're next in line, and you remember this, all right? So I've been in this long line, and this is once a year, and I remember something's got, somebody's got something against me. What did Jesus tell them to do? The last thing they wanted to do. The last thing they could imagine doing. Leave. <laughs> Leave your sacrifice. You're going to come back. That's fine. At the altar. <clears throat> then he says, go and be reconciled to that person. Deal with that situation. Fix that relationship. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Could Jesus really be saying that maybe this horizontal relationship is more important or just as important as the vertical relationship? And so I, he's suggesting a different morality. We're going to call it horizontal morality. So I decide what's right and wrong, what I should do and what I do, based on the people around me and the relationships I have. Again, what's the main thing? Well, somebody came to Jesus one day and asked him. <laughs> and Jesus answered, which is good, because Jesus didn't always answer people's questions, did he? So this is in Matthew 22. This is later on Jesus' ministry. And the guy said, what's, you know, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Uh, we've got 600 and some laws. Ten commandments has ten. A whole bunch of other ones. Some's got to be more important than others. So which, which one's the most important one? What's the main thing? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And this is out of the Old Testament. Uh, that would have been Jesus' Bible, his audience's Bible. But he didn't end there. He said, the second is equally important. Not second, but equally important, like there's two most importance. Kind of like you got two kids. Is one kid more important than the other kid? No. So these, there's not one more important than the other. They're equally important. Love God and love what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Another way of saying this is, what does it look like to love God? And this is what we're going to find out. Jesus is going to tell us, what it looks like to love God is to love your neighbor as yourself. <clears throat> the entire law and demands of the prophets are based on these commandments. So, you, you know, Old Testament is kind of long. It's like three quarters of our Bible, right? <laughs> 
You want to know what it says? It says this. Love God, love your neighbor. Now, the interesting thing is most of those commandments in the Old Testament are what? They're negative, right? Don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't commit adultery, don't kill, whatever. There's no negativity in this, is there? Love God and love people. If you spend your time focused on loving God and loving people, you don't really have to worry too much about those don't things because those are things that aren't loving God or loving your neighbor. So, the next question might be, okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Who is my neighbor? Now, if I asked you who your neighbor was, we had some neighbors over, and some of you folks came to our house yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but our neighbors are the people who live, you know, half a mile, three-quarters of a mile from our house. We live in the country, so we wouldn't have many neighbors if we just said the house next door. So there, that's what we think of our, our neighbors. Basically, we think of people like us. Because people around us are usually people like us. Well, we're not the only one to ask that question. Um, somebody asked Jesus this question. And first he came and asked Jesus, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what does the law say? What does the Old Testament say? And the, this man quoted what Jesus, we had just read. Love God and, and, and love your neighbor. And Jesus said, good. And then he said, the guy said, okay, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus at this point tells a story, and most of you have heard this story. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. This, again, a Jewish audience, uh, a Jewish man was going down from Jerusalem to, to Jerusalem, um, Bethlehem, I think. And some robbers beat him up and stole stuff from him, left him for dead. And a, a religious guy, a priest type guy, preacher type guy is coming, walking down the road. He sees this guy and we think, ah, you should help him, right? No, he goes, avoids him as much as possible. Why? Why would he do that? Because he had vertical morality. His law, this Old Testament law, said, well, if this guy is dead and you touch him, makes you unclean, it's going to mess up your relationship with God. So I can't risk messing my race up with God, so I can't help this guy. So that's vertical morality. Another guy came, uh, somebody who worked in the temple comes by, does the same exact thing. <laughs> he, he won't help this guy because it will mess up or potentially mess up his relationship with God. They pass by on the other side. And then Jesus introduces a character, a Samaritan. Now to a Jew, they hated Samaritans. I don't know if there's a group of people in the world you hate, but Jews hated Samaritans. They were kind of half-breeds. They wouldn't even go through Samaria. They'd go the long way around with everything. So a Samaritan comes along. Guess what? He helps this guy. He bandages his wound. He takes him to a, we'd say, a hotel and says, ask them to take care of him. The next day he says, if there's any more expenses, I'll come back and pay it. <laughs> so that's the story Jesus tells, answering the question, who's your neighbor? And then we'll pick it up, the story, in, in verse 36. Now, Jesus asked this guy, which of the three was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Was it the priest, the guy that worked in the temple, or the Samaritan? Now, again, this guy's a Jew. He hates the Samaritans. He can't even say the Samaritan. He answers this way. I guess the man who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So who's your neighbor? Well, we'd say everybody, but 
In this story, it's people that are not like you. We think neighbors are like us. No. Neighbors are more like people not like you. Because it's kind of easy to like people like you. <laughs> so the challenge is people that are not like you. So Jesus is in the last day of his life. And he's talking to his disciples. And so you, you assume he's going to give them the main thing, right? It's the last time he's going to get to talk to them. Well, until after the resurrection. So we're going to pick it up. He's just washed the disciples' feet. This is celebrating the Passover. And he's talking. Here's what he says. I'm giving you a new commandment. Meaning, I'm giving you something new that's the main thing. Here it is. Love each other just as I have loved you. Now, you have to realize that this time he hadn't been crucified yet. He hasn't been resurrected yet. Of course, that carries over for them and for us. But he said, here's the new commandment. You want to know what the main thing is? <laughs> Love each other just as I have loved you. Up to this point, washed your feet, oh, whatever. So this was new. This was re revolutionary. So I'll put on the screen this next statement. Jesus' primary concern was not that they or we believe something. He didn't say the main thing is to make sure that you believe I'm the Son of God, which is important, obviously. But he didn't say that's the main thing. He insisted that they and we do something. Love each other. So again, it's the end of the year. I'm, I'm thinking back to the past year, kind of stuff that's going around, on around here, kind of looking forward to 2019. Uh, one thing's already been mentioned, our, our Good News Club that meets uh, at the uh, Smithsburg uh, Elementary School. Uh, this is our third year. The first couple of years we had 40-some kids. We've got like 80 kids now <laughs> that we are loving you on and sharing God with for an hour and a half on Tuesdays. Uh, Tabitha's Tables, the local food bank that, that we support and some of you work at. and uh, Been serving about 70 families or so. We've, we've been hitting records recently and we're up to 115 families that we're helping feed. And of course, we're 20 some up. Angela, I don't have it. 20, how many kids? We, 28 kids we serve, feed every weekend. And it's just not them because they share it with their families families back home um, and then we started refuge that's our youth uh, student teen ministry didn't start that till mid-september uh, they hit a high of 26 a couple weeks ago um, i think there's been 19 uh, of these uh, young people that made decisions of one one form or another pastor clint leads that ministry and uh uh, part of what's new for next year is starting January 1, we had that space, like 2,000 square feet. We get that space 24-7 along with another ministry. So who knows what's going to happen there. But this one even on our radar uh, probably six months ago. Um, of course, one thing, we just a couple weeks ago, we had a baptismal service, and some of you were here. And so we baptized five people and have a couple others to baptize already. And um, so we're going to show you one of those. Daniel, you're here, right? Yeah, we're going to show you, show you, show you Daniel's, and uh, as you're going to see, if you weren't here, this obviously was a little special to me for, for, for one reason. Well, my name is Daniel Hoover, and I have a little boy named Bentley. He's six years old, 
I cut grass for a living here in Hagerstown that I've done for a long time. Um, I have a you know great family that lives here in town that I'm really lucky to have and I'm blessed in a lot of ways. Just recently, I've just been able to see God in a clearer way that I've, I've never been able to see him before. Well, I just sort of came to church, you know, with my family because they were more interested in bringing me than I was interested in going. It, but it, it all sounded good, but I, I couldn't really connect it personally. And I guess I just had to go and see for myself the things that I thought were better than God. And then when they turned out to fail me, then it made me realize that there is something better and that it is God. It was about three years ago, uh, some things happened in my life that were, you know, kind of hard to deal with. And uh, I just started seeing all these things that I used to value above God all just started just decaying and disappearing and crumbling right before my eyes. And all I was left with is God. And I've wanted to see that for the longest time, but I, I just, for some reason, I wasn't able to. So being a Christian to me is, it's almost like it's something that's too good to be true, but yet it is true. So I'm gonna worship God for the rest of my life. And I can't wait to see him in person one day. That's where all my hope is now. If I could tell someone about Jesus, and you know what I tell my unsafe friends is that he is so good and that he will pursue you. He will not stop coming to look for you. And, and God really, really loves you. And he wants to be part of your life. Well, the, the people that I would thank along this journey would certainly be my parents and my family. And also, Pastor Youngbar. Oh, I'd like to be baptized just to, to do my part on what God is asking me to do. I want to be faithful and obey God to please him. Sorry, it's a little emotional. <laughs> I've known Daniel, what, 27 years, maybe? I can't imagine what it is for, you, for your parents. <clears throat> Such wise words, Daniel, and your simple act of obedience. So upon your public profession of faith, in Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and obedience is command. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. said we baptized five folks got a couple more all the others were under 20 years old which means they're young and they have the whole whole life to follow jesus but uh thank you daniel for your step of faith and it was a privilege to be part of that so 
we don't know <laughs> what the future holds. We just need to be faithful, right? And continue on with the opportunities God gives us to serve our community, to love our community, and, and uh, to help people enter into a relationship with God. So, uh, moving on. Jesus said, I gave an, I got a new command for you. Love each other as, as I have loved you. Uh, next slide. That commandment's less complicated, isn't it? Way less complicated. <laughs> but a whole lot more demanding, isn't it? Gets rid of the loopholes. Gets rid of, well, you know, what can I do? Can a Christian do this or, or not do this? Now, we looked at a lot of things Jesus said. A lot of our New Testament was written by, by a guy named Paul, and he kind of fleshes out some of these teachings of Jesus. And so I'm just going to read one uh, uh, from, from Ephesians. Well, a little passage from Ephesians, part of it, where he kind of tells us about this. He says, get rid of all, what does it look like to love each other as I loved you? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, uh, as well as all type of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So love one another, uh, forgiving one another. Most of you know the Lord's Prayer. I don't know if you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer, but if you ever pray that prayer, most people don't realize what they're saying. You know what part of that says? God forgive me like I'm forgiving other people. Do you really want God to forgive you like you forgive other people? I don't. I don't think so. Um, that's what Jesus is saying. To love one another is to forgive, among other things, forgive one another. Then I think it's two verses down, it says this. <clears throat> live a life filled with love, following the example of Jesus, or Christ, Jesus. So, okay, <laughs> I'm supposed to love just as Jesus did. He's my example. What did he do? He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, pleasing in Roman to God. So God, while we were yet sinners, we had no interest in God, we were separated from God, God sent Jesus to earth to suffer horribly, to, to die, so that you and I can have a relationship with God. Well, simply put is this. <laughs> Jesus put you first, so you should do what? <laughs> put others first. He put others first, you and I should put others first. And then I'm going to skip down a few more verses. <clears throat> he uses a different word. Same idea. Submit to one another, not just as, but could say just as, out of reverence for Christ. Love one another, forgive one another, submit to one another. I often say, call it a, should be a submission competition. So, I want to do what you want to do. No, I want to do what you want to do. Oh, I want to do what you need. No, I want to do what you need. Because uh, that's what Jesus did, right? It doesn't say because they deserve it. Well, I'm not going to do that. They don't deserve that. Well, no. Did you, did you and I, do you and I deserve that Jesus did that for us? Of course not. So it's not based on deserve. It's based on, okay, just as Jesus. Um, so if you go through the New Testament, it's a list of these. We talked about love each one another, forgive one another, submit to one another. There's encourage one another. There's pray for one another. There's bear, bear or carry one another's burdens, etc., etc. So, on the screen, uh, the primary duty, and we'll talk about duty a little bit more in a minute, of church folks, if you consider yourself a church folk, is to one another, one another. Right? 
Love one another. Submit to one another. Forgive one another. Pray for one another, etc., etc. Now, <clears throat> we'll talk about people outside and inside. Church folks as opposed to people that aren't church folks. Uh, again, what is our vision? Be a church to unchurched outsiders love to experience. Folks out there don't believe what we believe in here. That's why they're not in here, right? <laughs> That's just common sense. But we should one another, one another, such a way that the folks out there, even though they don't believe what we believe, are envious of the way we treat one another. Think about it this way. Doesn't everybody want to be loved? Doesn't everybody want to be forgiven? Doesn't want everybody want to be prayed for? Well, maybe not prayed for, but uh, doesn't everybody want to be helped? Well, certainly. But that's not the impression unchurched folks have of us. Whose fault is that? Our fault, right? Back to Jesus. Again, last time he's talking to his disciples, before he's crucified, he says, this is my commandment, or my new commandment. Love each other in the same way, just as I have loved you. So, next slide. Driving force behind this horizontal morality I'm talking about is one another. So if I'm one anothering one another, <laughs> I'm focused on horizontal morality, doing what's right to the people around me. Because when I do what's right to people around me, I'm doing what's right from, for the God I'm trying to serve. Another place, Paul kind of answers the main thing again, that question, what is the main thing? He said this, this is what is important, this is the main thing, is faith, now get, get the whole thing here, faith expressing itself in love. Not just faith, it's just not about what, believing the right stuff, which is important, which is good. But it's faith expressing itself in love. And Jesus' brother, James, puts it this way, faith without works, without expressing itself is dead, it's not real faith. So you can say, you know, I am loving God, and if you're not loving people, you're not loving God. You're not believing in what he said, because we just read what he said, right? <laughs> if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, but my big, my big commandment is what? To love one another. So they're linked. So back to the duty thing. Next slide. God's love is free. Absolutely free. 100% free. Unconditional. But not duty free. So once I've accepted God's love gift of salvation, guess what? I have a duty. What is my duty? To love one another just as God has loved me. My obligation. That's my responsibility. That's what I got to do. I have to do. So back to that question I started with. What's a better question than is, what's such and such a sin or can a Christian do this? How about this question? What does God's love require of me? I don't know about you, but that question's a little scary. What is God's love going to require of me? Talked about some of that. I'm going to forgive that person I don't want to forgive. I'm going to love that person that's unloving. But it fills in all the gaps about, well, the Bible doesn't talk about this. More recently, I got asked about marijuana. <laughs> if they're legalized, can a Christian, if it's legalized, can Christians smoke marijuana? I, I, I don't know. I, 
What does love require of you? So this question should inform our morality, meaning what we should do and not do. So, my relationship with my wife, what does God's love for me require of me in my relationship with her? Parents, what does God's love for you require of you in your relationship with your kids? Kids. <laughs> Teens. What does God's love for you require of you to your parent? Now we have a, a, a thing that I, it helps me a lot, and it, Jesus shared it, and we call it the golden rule. Just treat other people like you want them to treat you, right? So Jesus' followers don't obey in order to get something from God. Okay, if I, if I obey, God's going to be nice to me. God's going to bless me. They obey in light of what they've already been given. Forgiveness for sin, a personal relationship with God, eternity in heaven. So next slide. Obedience is always connected to a who. Let me kind of illustrate with one <laughs> in one area. There's a, one of the Ten Commandments says not to lie. We got this last week. Everybody raised their hand when I asked if anybody lied, right? So we've all lied. But why not lie? Well, a couple things. It dishonors the person you're lying to, right? You're not a valuable enough for me to tell the truth to. And it certainly affects your relationship with that person. So God said, don't lie because every person I created is of value. So don't lie to them. And every relationship you have is important. So don't lie to them. Obedience is always connected to a who. And you could use any other uh, commandment or, or right or wrong that you want. So back to our statement. This is a new commandment. Way less complicated. A lot more demanding. But if we one another, one another. Next slide. People nothing like us would like us. People nothing like us don't like us much. Quote, unquote, church. But the amazing thing about the life of Christ was what? People nothing like him loved him. The crowd just gathered around him. Church people didn't like him much. But people nothing like him liked him. So I'm going to reword the vision for us, or tweak it a little bit. I don't know if we'll put this on the screen or not, just see what we have. But to be a community of irresistible people. Because people that truly want another, want another, to do that stuff that everybody wants, that's pretty much irresistible, isn't it? With a message that's difficult to resist. What's the message? God loves you, sent his son to die for you. You can have forgiveness of your sin. You can get rid of guilt and shame that you may have. You're empowered to do things you never could do before by the Holy Spirit. It's been eternity with God in heaven. We say it this way sometimes. It makes your life better and you're better at life. Not easier maybe, but certainly better. Well, so let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the words of Jesus. And, and I think as a church, we haven't always done it right. And... Uh, but God, we can't fix the whole church, but we can focus on this church. That we do those one another's. And that's one reason you can't be a Christian outside the church, or it's really hard because you can't, there's nobody to one another <laughs> outside of the church.
Help us understand that our relationship with you is largely impacted by our relationship with others. If we just focus on our horizontal uh, relationships, our horizontal morality, it'll take care of that vertical morality. In fact, you say you're, you, you, we're good because of what Jesus has done. Our relationship with you is good. Focus on those other relationships. God, I don't know what challenge that, that means for, for anybody here. We just would accept that as uh, uh, your instructions to us. We thank you for the folks that we've been able to baptize this year and they've stepped across the line. Look forward to some others. There may be someone here today, God, that needs to step across that line. We're going to pray for them, <laughs> that they would accept that gift. <clears throat> it's duty-free. It's free. We thank you that Jesus makes that possible. We call it grace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.